we walk down there on him and and I kind of walk up and I'm like, oh, cool, it's that big five. And Chris is like, dude, no, it's not. Because I just kind of looked and then kind of looked away. And then I got, I looked at him again and I saw these giant fourths and I was like, dude, it's 88, you know? And I just go down and I grab his horns and I start looking at him and he's just like, just mass all the way through. Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast with myself, Cody Rich. This feed is home to the best elk hunting podcast that I've done over the last seven years. And if you want to be a better elk hunter, then you're in the right place. If you want the blueprint that I developed after interviewing hundreds of the best elk hunters in the world and 20 plus years of my own hunting experience, check out my new Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a framework to give you a step-by-step system that you can build off of for finding elk, getting close to elk, and killing elk without getting lucky. This is not the end-all, be-all course. If you're a 101 level, no no expertise, no elk knowledge, do not take this course. Uh, this is zero fluff. It's my four-step system, right? So it's going to be over a few, a few of you guys' heads, but honestly, this is such a great framework to build off of. Check it out. Link in the show notes. All right, buddy. Welcome to Wapiti Wednesday. You ready for elk season? Heck yeah, man. I'm so stoked. <laughs> my, my, uh, my wife is, uh, definitely, uh, gets, gets when it's getting, understands when it's getting close. It's <laughs> all, uh, <laughs> it's all we talk about. <laughs> uh, does she ever just tell you to shut up? <laughs> she just, uh, no, she's actually really supportive of, uh, <laughs> of my of my hunting she really is she's like you know there's a lot of other worse things that you could be doing so the fact that you want to go out and and do this for yourself no she's she's super cool about it it's probably the bugling in the house (laughs) and (laughs) Uh, i was just gonna say like mine's totally like i don't think she gets too burnout even though i talk about hunting 24 7 it might be better now that I have a podcast because maybe it's like an outlet and I don't talk about it with her as much. Um, but yeah, sure. the bugling is definitely the thing that she's like, yeah, that can stop anytime. Our, our, uh, our oldest daughter, she, she'll be four in October. And I actually have, I have a couple videos of her on my Instagram. She'll just torch off and, in a bugle. That's know? awesome. <laughs> actually, she, she sounds really good. So I'm like, man, you're going to call in a bull one day for me. I hope. How cool would that be if your like little daughter just called in a bull for you and you shot it? Man, that would be sweet. Voice calling. We have we have two girls. Um, Gentry's six months old, and then George is almost four. But I'm 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 already planning. Like, there's going to be a day when I'm going to have them split up behind me, back on the hillside, <laughs> torching yeah. off at each other. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I guess introduce yourself. We haven't even introduced yet. Uh, you and I haven't. Yes, in quite a while, but grew yeah. up same area, quasi related. Like my yes, we're co- we're uh, we're what are we second cousins? Second cousins? Yep. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My cousin's cousin, yeah. so that makes you yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, Johnny and I kind of grew up same area, had a lot of the same stuff, and um, yeah, he's killed a giant that I'm hoping to get this story out of. Uh, which is pretty cool because it took you a long time to kill that bull, and there's kind of a backstory there. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. we'll dive into that. But yeah, Oregon guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. So John Goforth, um, I grew up out in Wilhelmina, 
Um, and I'm actually kind of late to the game hunting. This is only my, this is only my, this will be my sixth season hunting. Um, I don't know how that really worked out other than I think we just, we owned the restaurant for all those years. And so, yeah. you know, when you, when you're, when your dad's uh, an entrepreneur, you, 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 you don't have a job, you own a job. And so, uh, <laughs> we just spent a lot of time at the restaurant, you know? And, and so, um, I just, and I played football. And so that was kind of always during hunting season. And, and, uh, so it just wasn't ever really a passion of mine. And then a few years ago, um, was going to have some dinner with some buddies and they said, Hey, we're going to go shoot our bows. You want to come with us? And I was like, uh, okay, whatever. And dude, the first arrow I shot, I was like hooked. I have to do this. Cause <laughs> you know, I've, I, I, I'm a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I've trained Jiu Jitsu for 10 years and it's, it's a very hard, a very hard, uh, sport or martial art to do because it takes a long time. Like it took me nine years to get my black belt. That's training consistently every week. It's not like a, a traditional martial art where you can, um, you can do some forms and katas. And you know, my, my funny stories when parents, you know, I'd be like a blue belt in jujitsu been training for three or four years. And they're like, what belt are you? And I'm like, Oh my, Oh, my kid's a black belt. <laughs> How old's your kid? He's, 10. Oh, so, so it's a really, it's a really hard, uh, hard thing to excel at. And so archery was, is so parallel to that. Like you can, there's always somebody better than you and, and especially archery hunting, like it's, there's always room for improvement. And so I love to do things that are really hard for me. So as soon as I shot that bow, I was like, I have to do this and went out and bought a, uh, what was it? A, blue mountain wolverine like just bought it at a garage sale somewhere and it's like a target bow i think but um went and put 200 bucks in it to get it shooting bought some arrows and i was off hunting elk two weeks later and missed a five by five opening weekend first time i'd ever seen an elk been on an elk and it was like at 60 yards and i think i had a 20 30 40 yard pin on this site you know yeah so i mean I didn't know anything, but just got out there. And like, after seeing that bull and missing him, I was just hooked. So, uh, I've been pretty fortunate to have some guys around me that have, have quite a bit of years hunting and I'm just not too proud to ask questions and ask for help. And so, um, I just did that and, and learned to call. And, and another thing that I will add, probably, I think that's, you know, I've, I've hunted for five years and I've killed three bulls in five years. And I would say probably the thing that has helped me with that success is that I've been able to hunt a lot in, in that five years, um, because of my work situation, I get to basically take off most of the season and hunt. And so for the guy that doesn't get to go out and hunt, as much as I do, like I got to make a lot of mistakes yeah. in, in those 30 days, you know, um, my first couple of years. And so, um, but yeah, so uh, that, so didn't, didn't hunt a lot growing up, went on a couple rifle hunts with dad over in Eastern Oregon. And then, um, yeah, five years ago, picked up a bow and started hunting and, and, and just hooked. Hooked so. ever since. Dude, I remember when, uh, I ran into you at Hoodoo uh, a few years ago and I was like, I didn't even realize you were, you had, you, you were elk hunting or whatever. And I was like, Oh, what? I didn't know that, you know? And then, um, and then kind of just following, following along. It's been cool to watch the journey. But, you know, I think 
we talked to a lot of people who transition from very competitive, you know, something very competitive and they transition into hunting and they do really well. And, you know, I think when you master something and I'm master something else, when you spend a lot of time training at something else, you know, it always equates or it translates or trans transitions a little easier. You know, when you, you understand how much goes into something and you, and you, you kind of learned how to learn if that makes sense. And, you know, yeah. like, you know, I think like, uh, jujitsu is a great example because like, imagine if you practice jujitsu one week a year, how good would you be? You'd be like, no, not that great. Right. <laughs> I'd be on the, the 30 year plan. <laughs> Yeah, and I yeah, think like yeah. yeah. Oh, god. To, just to, to, no, I was just going to add to that. You know, like a lot of times because I've competed a lot um, in the ten years that I've done jujitsu, these big national tournaments, and and actually done well enough to to make podium at blue belt, purple belt, and brown belt, and I got spanked this last year at black belt. So back to the drawing board, but yeah, right along the lines of what you're saying, you know, like doing jujitsu has taught me to like, if, like I can take risks and I can fail and come back and recalibrate and try again. And so in archery, it's like going, going out and missing a bull. It's like, okay, what, like play the tape back. Like, what could I have done different? How did that, what did that bull do? How did he respond to calls at, at this time and such? And so it's really helped me to like, just kind of, be okay with failing forward if that makes sense you know yeah, just, for sure. yeah, yeah we're gonna we're not gonna always win and that's okay but how do you never or, be accustomed to, to losing how do you or i guess how did you or what early mistakes did you make and how did you overcome them because it's easy to to be like oh yeah you know fail forward and it, i think it's um that term gets used a lot but sometimes not understood and, you know, sure. so, and I think it also within hunting, it can be hard to fail forward because sometimes you can do one, one thing and it fails and then you do it the other way and it fails too. And you're like, well, shit, like now there is no direction. Um, so like, sure. did that ever happen to you when you were kind of learning? I mean, you had some pretty good mentors, so you, you at least had like an upper hand in that capacity, but you know, were there any difficulties in failing forward in the, you know, the first year? Yeah, I think that, um, I think like a lot of people, you know, we, we, you know, I, I got just sucked into watching videos, you know, on YouTube and mm -hmm. you see a lot of the, the primos where the callers a hundred yards back and this bull's walking out, you know, 20 yeah. yards from the caller. And so it's like thinking, I, I would say some of the early mistakes I've made was waiting too long. And I've gotten to the, the point where I'm pretty aggressive now. Um, Interesting. I, I say now, like in my short time, like <laughs> I want to close distance on, on bulls. So if I get a, if I get a bull to crack off, um, I go right at him. and interesting story. I, I mean, there's so many variables as you know, but interesting story with my big bull that I killed. Um, the wind wasn't great, but he was just, wait, the, don't, don't ruin it. You got to start this story from when you found the bull and like, <laughs> you can't start at the okay. end, John. <laughs> True, true. So, uh, my so my second year archery hunting, my dad had uh, my dad had just passed away a month before, and uh, we had <clears throat> me and uh, my my good buddy uh, Ike Ellis had found this area and had and got into this really good spot. And we we really like to set trail cameras and just we kind of use that as like opportunity to go out and hike and kind of start getting in shape and and just like getting elk on cameras is kind of thing we like to, to do and see so we we discovered this area in this first year so this was 2015 
<clears throat> we were getting tons of bulls on these cameras and we we're just like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. And, and me still like, this is my second year archery hunt. So tag suit my first year, my second year, I'm like geared up. I, I, you know, I was able to buy a bow that, that fit me perfect, you know, went to a shop and got everything good to go, picked it out, you know, everything that I wanted and was able to transition in from my Bimark camo to <laughs> some Sitka gear and, and, um, just totally different. Like I felt, I felt great about hunting, you know, and able to get into spots and stay a little bit more, but, um, so we're getting, we're getting bulls all over these cameras and then season starts and it's like, where'd these bulls go? You know, like we had, we had lots of cows as well, but so like on, I think it was, Oh, must've been like the middle of August. I had to go up and check cameras like one last time, like right before, I think we were a couple weeks out from the opener. And I'm like, you guys aren't going to believe we have a giant bull on camera. And there's some of the pictures that I've shared on my Instagram where his head's kind of low and he's like kind of just coming down this little BLM road. And we, we started calling him 88 because he had like, he barely was a seven point and he had two double times. And so I was like, Oh, he's an eight by So we'll just call him 88. And, uh, I I'd kind of patterned the cows how they were coming through. I was like, they're they're like kind of in this spot every two to three weeks. I don't know where they go. We're not getting them anywhere else, but we're getting them in this spot on this camera. So I told my buddies I'm going up on this date. It was September third. I was like, they're going to be there on this Thursday, and they're like, oh, we can't go. And I was like, that's right. So I I go up there alone, and I'm walking into the unit. It's just just barely starting to get daylight and i'm hearing something you know and again i'm so green you know like i haven't even heard a bull bugle like live you know and uh so i'm walking up in the unit and i kind of hear hear something off to my right kind of down on this this tall timber and there's a like probably a 100 200 yard cut from the road to this in this tall timber and so i just with an open read call just let off a little little lost cow and the the place just lights up cows everywhere meow, 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 meow. and i'm just like oh, holy smokes you know and then this bull cracks off just this low growly bugle you know and i'm and i'm like whoa that that didn't sound like the the bulls i've you know i've heard on youtube videos <laughs> and so i just kind of keep easing up in into the unit you know and the really cool thing about this this second year of archery hunting for me was my dad had just passed away. He'd never killed a bull in all the years that he hunted with a rifle. He'd never killed an elk. And so I was like, I, I'm not, I'm not super spooky or anything like that. But every time I moved a direction, the wind would shift and hit my face. And I just kind of feel like it was my pops, like saying that like, this is, we're going to get this bull together, you know? Yeah, and so, that's so cool. yeah. So I, I start, sitting up and, and calling and I'm probably a hundred yards from the cut. You know, I'm out in the wide open again, a, a, a pretty rookie mood, <laughs> but these, these, these elk weren't pressured. This is the only thing I can think of is that they weren't pressured that pressure that much. And I had bulls running past me. I'm out like a hundred yards from this cut and I've got like a spike runs out and runs past me. And then I have a raghorn runs out and runs past me. And this bull's still cracking off in the timber. He's just, He's bugling, then I bugle, and then I'm still trying to cow call, and I'm just doing like anything I can think of. You know, I'm trying to do a lip ball at him, and and he just we go back and forth for a couple hours, 
And I still haven't seen the bowl, but I'm thinking that's got to be the big bowl that we have on camera. And so I keep I keep working in um, down into the timber because I'm like, he's not coming to me. And he sounds like he's just kind of where he's at and staying where he's at. And I can hear stuff break in. And so I just ease down into the timber and I get on this game trail and I just kind of keep going towards him. And the wind's in my face. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, this is just like this, just like they do in the videos, you know, like this really works, you know? And, uh, I just keep working towards him. I get to where I can see him and I range him and he's 70 yards away. And I'm like, that's just, that's too far. But he's, he's just busting up this stump down there and all his cows are behind him and they're just kind of all herded up there. And I, I cow call that thing. I'm like, Oh, he's going to come to cow call. And he, he goes from being so aggressive and, busting up this stump to just like he, his, his whole demeanor changes. He just kind of looks up at me and like he softens like, Oh, there you are. Let's go. And he kind of turns to go to his cow. So I'm like, well, that's not the reaction I wanted. <laughs> and so I, so I bugle at him and I, and I try to make it sound as big and gnarly as possible. And he cuts me off and turns and he starts coming right away. So from that experience, I learned like, okay, like I'm in, I'm definitely in like his, in his, in his wheelhouse there. And I cow called and he softened. I bugled and he came. Yeah. So for me, I was like, okay, I got, I definitely sound I'm feeling now I know like, okay, I was like a threat to him. And so he's got to come address it now. And so this bull starts coming towards me and I'm looking like I'm, I got a big fir tree in front of me and, you know, ferns over the top of my head, you know, you know how it is on the coat. So, um, but pretty open. It's like a BLM thin. So, so it was pretty open area. So I'm, I'm looking and I'm like, well, he's going to go right or left. And I just picked left. I think he's just going to kind of walk straight up this way. So I range a tree 35 yards. And at the time I was shooting uh, a single pin. Uh, well, it was like a two pin vertical, you know, like that spot hog housing, you know. And uh, so I range this tree 35 yards. I think he's going to come right there. So I have an arrow knocked, dial my pin. Bull walks right to where I think he's going to walk to. I come to full draw. He can't see me. I have a reed in my mouth, and I don't stop him. And I, I shoot. And as I shoot, I don't stay in my shot. I try to look to see where my arrow goes. And like, you know, I like kind of just lean back away from your bow to look yeah. after you shoot. And I shoot low and right, right underneath him. And bull kind of just hops a little bit. And I'm thinking, like, 35 yards is a chip shot, John. And I'm like, this, this is a giant bull, you know. And he just kind of, he just kind of trots up a little bit and there's a bunch of blow down and stuff through there. And so I start trying to follow him and he, and he's like looking back and barking at me. And so I'm just doing that back again. Cause I'm like, I want him to think I'm a bull. You know, I think, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, little, little did I know he, you know, he walked up and then just circled back around to his cows. Had I gone cut the distance and went to where he was and probably torched off again, he probably would have just busted right back down there to me because I was between him and his cows. Yep. And so, you know, learned, learned that experience. So missed him. And then, so he kind of circles back around. I'm trying to chase him up through there. And then I see him, he gets back to his cows and he kind of pushes them off. Well, I'm like, well, that was the coolest experience on the planet. You know? <laughs> when I was like, this has like been the best day of elk hunting ever. Yeah. And then, so I start calling again. And then this, this, raghorn four point walks out of 43 yards and i shoot him and that's my first elk that i ever killed with bow. that's and, so uh, awesome because i you know i thought like there's no way i'm gonna get on this this bull you know so 
after I, I like I messed it up. And so this raghorn comes down. I'm like, I'm done if I don't shoot at this elk right now. You know, like yeah. I'm not that good. I'm not a trophy hunter. I need to shoot this elk. And so I shoot him and I don't hit him. I hit him back a little bit. And so he kind of goes up the hill and I kind of just let him be. And then I work up there a little bit later and he stands up and I shoot him again at like 20 and, and he dies. And, uh, so I give him some time, you know, and I walk up on him and like first time ever walking up on a dead bull elk. I was like, what did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's just huge, you know? So I call, I call my buddy Ike and he, they just had a, a baby. And so he wasn't getting out hunting much. And he's like, dude, send me pics. Let me see it. So, um, so I sent him pics and I called my buddy Jody. Do you know Jody Sear? Oh yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So I called Jody. So I'm, I'm friends. Uh, so Ike, Ike and I are buddies. We coached football well minded together and Ike grew up down in powers mm-hmm. and his brother still lives down there and him and Jody were, were buds growing up. So okay. anyway, so I called Jody and I'm like, dude, I killed the bull. And he's like, no way. Cause, cause I'd been, you know, been in his ear quite a bit asking him about yeah. this stuff. And he's one of the guys that helped me out a lot. Him and, and Guy and Ike uh, all were pretty influential in helping me learn, you know, learn how to hunt. And so he's like, no way, dude, seriously. And I said, yeah, and I just missed that giant bull that we had on camera at 35 yards. He's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I called him in. It worked. <laughs> That's <laughs> so like, cool. Yeah. So, like, little did I know, like, really what I missed, you know what I mean? Because I was yeah. still so green. But uh, so I was like, I don't know what, like, what do I do? He's like, and so Jody starts coaching me how to start breaking him down. And then I called uh, another buddy. Um, who actually came up and, and helped me. We worked the bull up and got it out of there. But um, so that was like my first experience. And it was so cool because it was like dad had never killed a bull and he had died a month earlier. And it's just like I felt him there with me, if that makes sense, you know, and just the, the way the wind changed. And, and almost like he was saying, no, if you don't get that big bull yet, so <laughs> you can, you can, you, you got to earn that one. Totally. You know, so, totally. So killed, uh, so killed that, uh, raghorn for my first year. And then, um, the next year, um, I'm just going to go into the story about the big, the, the, the journey of the big bull. Is that cool? No, oh, totally. I'm, I'm into it. I think everyone's like, yeah, what, what happens next? What happens next? <laughs> so, so the next year, you know, I, I, we go up to the same spot again. I'm like, that bull has to be up there still. People were like, no, that bull's not going to be there. And I'm like, he's got to be. And lo and behold, we set cameras again. And this same herd of like 30 cows keeps kind of coming through. And I start patterning them. And I'm like, they're going to be here every three weeks. And so I start seeing it every three weeks on camera. They're at this spot. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to come up and kill that bull this year. So. Did you ever get that big uh, bull on camera during the summer? Never. Hmm. there's there's another there's another bull and i'll tell this story to you after we get this one done that we got on camera we called him bullwinkle and i'll tell you about how that goes here a little bit later uh, um but a giant just a giant non-typical bull and we're like oh and like just huge body the classic roosevelt bull non-typical giant body bull and i'm like that bull is a pig and we never saw him with cows we'd, we'd get him on camera and then we'd never see him again so so that's bullwinkle we got bullwinkle and 88 in the same, same spot <clears throat> so 2016 you know we're getting all these cows coming through and i'm like sweet i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt this area again we're gonna get this bull i'm walking up into the unit 
uh, at like four in the afternoon going, going up on an evening hunt. It's like super hot out and I'm just trying to cruise up in there to get a kind of a high point and start doing a little glass and, and let it cool down a little bit and, and call. And I don't even, I, I'm just like not paying attention. You know, I'm just trying to bust it up the hill, you know, and my hat's low, you know, cause the sun's out and I'm just kind of looking at my boots walking up the hill and I come around the corner and I hear gravel kicking and I look up and there's a calf standing in the middle of the road and I look over and down this, just this little cut, this little bowl is the whole herd of elk and they just bust out. Oh you know? no. I see these big, huge, dark black antlers sticking out of the middle of the herd. And so I'm like, oh, so I just sit down where I'm at because I'm just so irritated, you know? Like, yeah. And like I glassed right over the top of them at the bottom of the, like I'm looking up into the unit and they're down this little bowl and I'm looking right over the top of them. So there's another rookie mistake, you know, not really paying attention. So they all, they just kind of run at an angle all the way straight up through the unit. So I give it 15 minutes and I, I get up to this little uh, Y in the, the unit where it splits off and I just start doing some calf calls. And uh, within 30 seconds, every single one of them elk crested back up over the hill to look for this calf. And I even start pulling some cows away from the bull and that bull's pissed. And he's, and I'm, I'm glassing him up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's 88. But he's, it looks a little different. He, he crowned out, you know, and he had these six inch kickers off, off the beach side. I, I feel like he might've regressed a little bit or just, just his horns just grew in a little different the year I killed him. But, um, but I'm, I'm sitting there watching him and he's just pissed up there raking and these cows are kind of coming to me. And this five point, kind of splits off and just starts coming he's coming down through. he's like 500 yards away from me and he just he's coming down to the unit and the, the herd's kind of staying up there with the big bull who's freaking out raking you know digging into the ground and a couple of cows are kind of coming and stopping and they're watching and i'm just i keep that calling and this bull comes 500 yards from the top of the unit and and so I'm ranging like where I think he's going to come to. And it's like 55 yards. And so I dial my pitch. He came across an entire unit from 500 to 50? 500 yards. No, he came to 20, dude. Let me get to 20. <laughs> so, so I dial, I dial my pin to, to 55 because I think that's just, this is where he's going to come down to. Well, he doesn't. He comes there and then he comes walking right towards me. And he's literally walks to 20 yards. And I shoot two arrows over his back. No. So. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh, well, that big bull's still up there torching off you, and then the cows are like, just not, not sure what's up. So that, so I missed that five points, like five by four, which I was like, sweet, you know, I'll shoot a five by four, like, yeah. you know, do my second bull and burn two right over his back. And I'm just like, idiot, you know, like, why? And then, and then I'm like, why am I shooting a single pin sight, you know, like, stupid, yeah. you know, I'm like so mad at myself and, and, why did I not think to hold lower? Just all the things that go through your head, you know, when you have a bull that comes in like that. So he just kind of, he kind of turns and goes and heads back up to meet up with the herd. And I'm thinking, dude, I'm, I'm an idiot. Dude, that was my one shot this year. <laughs> and I missed twice, yeah. you know? So I call Ike up and I'm like, dude, I got on, I got on 88 again. He's, he's up there and he's like, dude, that's awesome. And, and I watched him till dark. They just kind of stayed up there and I just kept trying to call them, kept trying to close the distance, but just no, no, no dice. So yeah. I mean, it's like, 
we make a plan to go up there in the morning because I'm like, they're not going to be far. I didn't really build them up too much. I didn't feel like I did. And so we go up there the next morning and we get on the herd again. And we just, again, we don't set up right. Like Ike was kind of up. We were kind of going up this spur road. And uh, and it was, in this, it, was, it was in the same exact BLM timber where I missed him the year before. I'll add that to the story just so people can kind of hear. Like, I really think Roosevelt's really... Like they want to stay where they're at. For sure. Very territorial. And that, yeah, yeah. And that herd, that herd of cows, like they're in that same spot every year. So um, that's why it's been, I think, really fruitful, you know, to go up in that same spot. And so, anyway, so we, we're kind of walking up the spur road and we can, we can hear them. And we're thinking that they're going to, they're kind of in this prod to our left and they're just going to come out across the road. So I kind of sets up up to my right about 50 yards away and I'm just kind of right where I'm at, you know, and he's kind of up to my right and at an angle and we're thinking they're going to come right, like right past me towards Ike. Well, they come right down the road and the cows come to like 20 yards to Ike and they're probably 50 to me and the bull comes out at 70 yards and he's quartered to me and I was like, this is not a shot I'm going to take, you know, with where yeah. I felt my skill level. And so I didn't even draw my bow, but I watched this bull again and I'm just like, so close. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, just awesome, awesome experience. Like we're learning the whole time we go like, okay, we should, you know, these elk are probably going to take the road less traveled just like we would, I mean, on the road more traveled, just like, you know, us humans, like it's easy to walk up a skid road. They're probably going to come down this thing, right? So learning these little tidbits as we go. So I hunt up there. I put probably, I don't know, 160 miles on my boots the rest of the season trying to hunt that bull up there. And then we ended up uh, going down south for a weekend and hunted and ended up killing a spike in 2016. And then 2017 comes and I'm um, a lot busier in my life outside of hunting in 2017. And so I didn't get to put as much time in putting cameras up and just didn't get really the the results on cameras that we had in years past, you know, and so, but still able to hunt a lot. So 2017 season comes and, and I get there and I'm hunting, I'm hunting that same area. And do you feel like at this point, not to interrupt you, but do you feel like at this point, like there's like a little bit of connection to 88, like you just have this, like not vendetta, but like, man, you want that one. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've told this, to several people like it's cool that he's a giant bull but like the trophy for me is like the our two stories coming mm-hmm. together yeah for the closure you know like i definitely felt like this uh yeah like a spiritual connection to this bull like we we'd had words with each other a few times you know <laughs> and it's like you've outsmarted me two years in a row now yeah and uh yeah yeah definitely and and i just People told me there's no way that bull's alive. And I just kept like, you know what? I got to go look. And, and Ike would be like, dude, that's like such, it's like boring hunting. You're going to the same area, going the same loops. And I'm like, I know, dude, but my, I was just like fixated on him. I couldn't not go. And, and then, like so, during rifle season, you're always like just crossing your fingers, and you'll hear oh, about yeah. a big bull getting killed on the mountain. You're like, shit, I hope that's not him. 
<laughs> I know, I know. And I would, you know, I would look and every year I'd be like, no, I didn't see anything that looked like him. Dude. I didn't see, we would know, yeah. we would know if a big boy got totally. killed. You know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, yeah, so totally crossing fingers and, but, but I never got him on camera again. I only got him on camera 2015 and never got this big bull on camera again, but would get cows and other smaller bulls. And so, so I'm up there hunting pretty hard and I'd set a tree stand up there cause I was thinking, you know what? Like, uh, if I'm, if I'm going to kill him, this year, it's probably going to be cause he's going to walk under a tree stand. Like he's, he's outsmarted me two years in a row. I'm just going to sit and wait. Well, yeah. Sitting in a tree stand sucks. <laughs> <laughs> when you're trying to elk him, I mean, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. I think I lasted, I don't know, three or four days. It actually hunted pretty hard as far as hard like sitting in a tree stand all day but let me just walk everyone so, through how this thought process works from june when you decide that a tree stand is a great idea till like august 25th you're like man this is gonna be it this is gonna be the ticket I, you know like this is where they are before anyone gets in there two hours after opening day in the tree stand you're like yep this is a bad idea this is terrible <laughs> totally it's just like sitting there it's like on your phone like just looking just trying to go through the boredom googling googling a million times from a just two hours in and the phone dies like screw it i'm out yeah totally totally i've eaten all my snacks i've eaten my lunch yeah uh, but i did i did it like i did it four or five days and got in there early and just sat and finally i was like uh so over it interesting thing about i so i killed this bull on september 3rd of 2017 the big bull 88 and september 3rd was the day i missed him in 2015 and i killed him in the same spot that i spooked him from in 2016 so tons of like really interesting connection and this bull's always in the same spot around the same time of year so I, I didn't get to, uh, I didn't get to hunt this. I did hunt the Saturday morning before I killed him. I didn't hunt the Saturday night. Me and my buddy, Chris, uh, Chris, who's one of my coaches here at my jiu-jitsu academy, went up with me and I took him through uh, a pretty classic, deep, dark, coastal rainforest <laughs> loop. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like six miles, but like six really steep, really hard miles. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we were on this loop, and he was like, dude, it's like free bully down here. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's like good bulls live, you know? And uh, it we just, we didn't hear anything, didn't see anything. And it was like a, a pretty hard day of, of hunting, you know? And so we would come out of there, I don't know, two or three in the afternoon after like all day walking through it. Yeah. And, uh, I get home. I'm like, I'm not going to hunt tonight. I'm told my wife I'd be home and help out with Gigi. So, uh, and then I didn't hunt Sunday morning. Uh, Cause I, I don't know some, something was going on. I help her out with something. And so I'm like, I'm going to get up there Sunday night. Chris is like, well, I want to go with you again. I said, cool. We'll go up and sit the tree stand. So we get up uh, into the unit about three o'clock in the afternoon. It's a pretty, pretty warm day. And so we get up in there and, we get in the tree stand and we're sitting and bugling and calling and it gets to be like six thirty and I'm like, dude, I gotta get out. <laughs> <laughs> so we get out of the tree stand. He's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's just let's 
walk these these roads out here and let's call. Let's see if we can get eyes on something in glass. So it's about 6.30. We get out of the stand. And I'm probably a 1,000 yards up at the top of the unit. And I'm cow calling and I'm bugling and nothing, nothing, nothing. We work down. And it's about, uh, I don't know, it's about 7.30. And we're, he's just like, yeah, let's just go. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was kind of burnt out, you know, like just kind of the lows of <laughs> archery hunting, not seeing anything. And, and uh, I was like, let's, let's just stop her. And this is that, that earlier in my story where I was telling you about the why, where I missed the five point the year before, yeah. where it came down 500 yards. I stopped at that Y and I was like, let's just pull down into this reprog. I I do one cow call and he cracks off. Just low growly bull. Instantly know it's him. Inst- oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of like playing mind games a little bit. I'm like, Chris goes, what was that? You know, cause he hadn't really archery hunted much. He'd only rifle hunted. Yeah. What was that? And he goes, was that, was that a bear? And I was like, no, dude, that's a boy. That's a big bull. I was like, knock an arrow. So now I'm thinking, like, cool, this is so cool. I'm going to call in a bull for my buddy, you know, and he's going to shoot him. And uh, I checked the wind, and the wind's, like, blowing right at him. And as as the the road goes, it's like we've got reprod to our right, probably like 20-year reprod, a road, and then we've got this 100-yard cut and then this tall BLM timber. And the wind's blowing straight down at him, but then there's this slight little bend in the road to the right and I can see the corner. So I start kind of sweet talking a little bit, you know, cause I'm feeling like I'm a pretty good caller now, you know, three or four years in, you know, and, and doing it all the time. I feel like I know kind of what I'm doing. So I start kind of sweet talking the bull a little bit and he bugles again. And then he starts chuckling. But when he chuckled, I looked at Chris and I said, put your arrow away. <laughs> cause I knew it was, knew it was the big bull then, you know, cause I just, yeah. cause he had a really distinct, like really emotional chuckle. Yeah. And he was like, what? And I was like, put your, put your arrow away. That's the big bull. And he was like, and so super cool that he just was like, okay, cool. You know, cause he knew I'd haunted the bull pretty hard. And yeah. he's like, you know, as he's trying to put his arrow back in his quiver, you know, cause he's just like, what the heck, you know, yeah. just nervous because hearing this bull and uh, I just take off. And this is the part where I'm talking about, like, I've got more aggressive. You know, one, we're in the wide open, right? We have this cut to our left, tall timber. This bull's coming up out of the prod, I think. And we're just wide open, you know? So I'm like, i got to cut distance. i got to get close to this bull. And he's probably 150 yards away when he first cracks off. And I can't see him yet. I can't see cows or anything. So I just hug a reprod, and I just start moving at a pretty quick pace. And I hunted up there enough that I knew that when, from that spot when we called, we really got a, a good echo off that tall timber that was to my left. So I'm really trying to paint this picture for everybody. You know, like I have this prod to my right, a road, it's 100 yard cut, and then this really tall BLM timber to my left. And every time I call it, it kind of echo, sounded like I was coming out of that timber. And so. And prod for anyone just, listening is like, it's called reprod. It's like. You know, ten-year-old trees, ten to fifteen-year-old trees. Just you can't see more than five feet in it. Just you know, short fir trees that are a nightmare to get through. Yeah, super thick. Yeah. So I just hug the reprod and I'm just cruising to that corner, and I can hear him. He's getting closer, and he's and he's just, he bugles, I bugle, he bugles, I bugle, 
and just and I'm throwing every now and then throwing in a little cow call to you know try to entice him, and he's just freaking out, you know. And I I don't hear any cows talking. I hear a little bit, but man, he's just torching off. So I keep closing the distance, and I him bugling sounds like he's coming out of the timber too. Because so I'm like he's really close to me, you know. Yeah. Like we're, we're we're like in we're like we're in the sweet spot, you know. <clears throat> and I get I'm about. 30 yards from that bend in the road and I see his nose. So he's getting ready to come up the road. And my buddy Chris is behind me like 80 yards just standing in the middle of the road with his binocs watching, you know? And I'm kind of looking to my left, you know, but then I, I see the bull, I see his nose, and I just barely see like his G2 on his right side. And I'm, and I, so I can't ever really see what his horns look like. I just know it's a bull and I'm like, I'm going to shoot it, you know? So, but in, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, it's just 88 because we'd had other, we'd had like a big five on camera up there. And I was like, I'll, sh- I'll shoot a big five all day, yeah. every day, you know, it's hard hunting with the bow. So, so the bull kind of stops and I see him kind of like, he's like looking, he's like looking for this other bull up here, you know? And, uh, I hear Chris go road and I'm thinking, dude, don't say anything. And the, the bull kind of like kind of postures and kind of, like puts pressure on his front front legs, you know, like, like what's that, you know? And he, he just kind of turns to go back to where his cows are. And so I just over my shoulder, just went, you and right away he cracks off and then I cut him off and then I hear stuff breaking. So I'm like, okay, his head's down, he's raking. I'm going to close the distance. So I closed that, what felt like 30 yards pretty quick to get to that corner. And I can see the bull now he's facing to the right. And his head's down. He's just busting up some scotch broom on the side of the side of the, the road. And so I range him 48, 48, 48. And at the time, I've switched now to I shoot a three pin slider. Uh, I have a 25, a 45, and a 60 with my bottom pin being my my pin that is my floater. And so I just hunt with it at 60. So I have a 25, 45, 60, and then I just pin gap in between that. So I know I have. I don't have to do any dialing. I already have an arrow knocked. My pack's on still. I have my tubes, you know, just draped around because I'm bugling all the time while I'm closing the distance on it. And this bull's head's down the rake, and I range of 48, 48, 48. And it's getting pretty close to dark, like close enough that I was like, I don't know if I can see my pin. And so I come to full draw just to see if I can see my pins. And I was like, Holy shit, I can see my pins. So I literally just stay at full draw. I step out into the road. And you can imagine right now I'm I look like I'm at full draw here sitting here talking. To <laughs> I'm holding the I'm holding the bow out and I'm at full draw. I step out into the road. I float float my forty five yard pin just three quarters up his body and I let her go. And it just shwah, just sounds perfect. The bull wheels and uh and then I don't, and I start calling, you know, I'm bugling and cow calling. It's just like dead silent. And I sit there for a second. I'm just like, I'm thinking about it. That shot felt good. Like shot broke well, felt awesome. You know, I felt like I was accurate and, and I just kind of sit there for a second. I'm just kind of trying to play it through my head. Like, okay, where did I hit him? That looks good. <clears throat> and I, I just slowly walk up the road to Chris and he's walking down to me. And I was like, I'm real trying to just stay real calm and real because i still hadn't seen the bull's horns so i don't know what bull it is but i know it was a big bull and it sounded like the big bull and that's why i told chris to put his arrow away <laughs> but i still hadn't really seen 
because his head was down and it was getting dark. And uh, so I head up towards him and I was like, dude, the shot sounded good. Did it look good? And he goes, dude, I, I think that shot was perfect. It just sounded like a hollow pumpkin. And I was like, okay, sweet, dude. I was like, pretty good bull. I mean, I never, he goes, dude, that was a giant bull. <laughs> He's freaking out, you know? Yeah. All I saw was ivory chips. And I was like, really? I was like, dude, I never saw his horn. I just knew it was a bull right there because he's down raking. And he goes, dude, he was huge. And I was like, oh, it's probably just that five point. You know, totally trying to like talk yourself out of it almost. Yeah, yeah, totally. So we wait like 30 minutes and I'm like, I want to go find my arrow. You know, so we go walking down there pretty slowly. And by this time it's dark, you know, and I've texted Ike and Guy because they were down in Powers hunting. And I said, uh, dude, I just stuck a bull. They're like, really? Yeah, send picks. And I was like, well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So we go walking down. We go walking down to uh, find my arrow. And this is another lesson that I've learned that I would share with everyone. Thirty minutes is probably a little too soon. Yeah, an unknown shot. <laughs> Thirty minutes is too soon. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I felt I felt like the shot was good, but you know, just just antsy, just wanted to go see, you know. So I go down there to find my arrow and I find blood right away. And I'm like, okay, that's a good sign. And I start to walk down this game trail and all hell breaks loose. All the uh, cows were still like right, right there just hanging out. So they bust out and I'm like, oh. I'm like, if I didn't hit that bull good, we're going to be in trouble, right? We're going to be tracking in and this is going to suck. So they bust off and it's like 30 cows. So 30 cows running off in the dark through blowdown. It's pretty loud. You know, and we're like, it just sounds like just, you know, yeah, chaos. So, yeah. So they take off and I have a camera at the top of the hill that sends me, um, um, text or sends pictures to an app on my phone yeah. and the camera starts going off and I'm seeing all these cow walk up and they're just, they're just milling around the camera. They just run up the hill and stop. And I'm like looking for the bull, no bull, no bull. Like, okay. And then we hear this like really close to us, probably a hundred yards away, you know, something moving super, super slow, like, like it's hurt. And I just said, oh, that, that's the bull, Chris. I, I must've got him all right. He's trying to get to those cows. But, and then we hear him, you know, taking his last breath. So we just sit down and it's like a full moon. There's cows all over us, all around us still trying to like get back with the herd and they're, they're calling and, and we hear this bull taking us last breath. So I just sit down on a log, just piece of blowdown and just sit there for a second and out. and then we don't hear anything. So Dude, what kind of emotions go, are going through your head right there? Like those I've I've been there like it's gonna be hard it's hard to put into words, but like what goes through your head when you're just sitting there just like highs and lows, the you don't really know, but God, this is like one of the coolest experiences someone could possibly be in. Yeah. You know, like <clears throat> sitting there with Chris and hearing, hearing <clears throat> the animal take its last breaths, you know, it's like, I, I don't care what anybody says. Like it's, it's definitely a, a, I feel like it's a spiritual moment, you know, and it, where it's like, we've, we've, and not, not to get all weird or spooky, but like we, we just took, life you know and this thing's gonna feed my family my friends and it's a huge deal it's a huge responsibility and i'm just sitting there hearing that bull take his last breath and i'm and i'm like i feel relieved because i'm like i'm I'm glad that we didn't have to chase him all over um 
glad that it was a good shot. So I feel, I feel a sense of relief. And then I'm like wondering, like, what is it? (laughs) You know, like, is it, is it that big five? Is it, you know? And, but, but I think overall, I just felt relieved. Like, yes, you know, like I got him. I got, I got one, you know? So, so we, we go, walking down there fine we got our headlamps on and we're walking through this blowdown and i'm kind of looking where we kind of last heard him breathing and we get a reflection of his eye and chris like oh, he's right there and i was like cool so we walked down on him and he only went he probably went 100 yards from where i shot him um but he probably would have been like 10 feet <laughs> if i <laughs> if i wouldn't have walked down there yeah because he literally stopped and it's a huge puddle of blood and he was sitting there dying but we pushed him a little bit. So <clears throat> we walked down there on him and, and I kind of walk up and I'm like, Oh cool. It's that big five. And Chris is like, dude, no, it's not. Cause I just kind of looked and then kind of looked away. And then I got, I looked at him again and I saw these giant fourths and I was like, Oh my dude, it's 88. You know? And I just go down and I grab his horns and I start looking at him and he's just like, just mass all the way through. To, you know, he was a six by seven with uh, with a, a little devil pine on his six points or yeah, yeah, devil pine on his. So he was like a yeah, if you count a devil pine, he was like a six by eight, but just a big, big six by seven. Ended up green scored three twenty five, and I'm just I'm freaking out. You know, I'm like I'm looking at him and. And I just like I, I, I text Ike right away. I'm like, dude, it's 88. And he's like, he's like, no way, dude. <laughs> so I call him. Love it. You know, I call, I call my, I call my wife. I'm like, babe, it's 88 because I had sent her a text and said that I'd stuck a bowl. And she's like, cool, let me know. And I called her and she said hello. And the first thing I said was, it's 88. And she's like, what? No way. You know. So we're all just celebrating it and and. I'm calling Ike and I'm kind of just like, I'm just ecstatic, dude. I'm like, I can't even, I don't even know what to say. Cause I'm just sitting there looking at him and, uh, like the culmination of three years of chasing this bull and missing him and seeing him and wondering if he's going to be back. And then it just worked out 48 yard shot, one arrow. And I'm just sitting there. And then, then it finally just kind of hits me, you know, like, I, I killed this bull, you know, and I just kneeled down next to him, just kind of patted him, you know, on the neck and just said, thanks, you know, thanks for the memory, buddy. And, uh, we got some, some pictures of him and the, you know, I'm not a small dude. I'm about six foot, 250 pounds. And, and I'm a lot of people noted like the, the picture I have of him where I'm gripping and grinning is, like I'm not long arming him at all. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like pushed up right behind him. Yeah. And people are like, dude, you look small compared to that bull. And I was like, well, yeah, he's a giant, yeah. you know? And so got some pictures and then just, uh, started working him up. But probably the coolest, uh, the coolest thing about this whole story is I put in probably 300, 350 miles in that area hunting that bull. And he died a quarter mile from the truck. <laughs> Dude, I just don't think people can understand until you've been there, until you've put that much work into something, what it means. And I, I just, I don't know that it, like, even like harvesting your own meat is great. And it's amazing. It's really cool. But like 
what you did and, and that whole experience is so next level to that. And then, you know, like to have that meet, it's just, you memorize that story. And like even the head on the wall and the people that get, you know, weird about mounted animals, right? Like, man, I look mm-hmm. at those bulls and I'm sure you look at that bull on the wall and I, that's just like a trigger for all of those memories and all those experiences. And like, I just don't think you can ever truly understand it until you've been there. Absolutely. You know, um, I was, it's funny that you say that because I was sitting on the couch last night looking up at the bull, thinking about talking to you today and just like it, I can sit there and look at him and there's like, I'll, I'll look at, he's just giant. You know, he has a huge head on him. And I look at that and it just takes me back to the first picture I got of him. I mean, I can, I remember the smell. I remember everything as we were working up the bull. I remember how heavy the pack was when I loaded up that head and horns with the cape on it and packing it out and feeling like I have never felt anything this heavy before on my back, you know, and, and just remember coming down. I mean, we didn't get home. We didn't get all the meat to the truck till two thirty. I think we ended up started working up the bowl about nine thirty, and it's even being that close to the truck. It's like, it just takes a long time putting that meat on your back. Then it's the, truck, the size of a know? damn moose. So there's that. <laughs> I know, I know. So, yeah, just, just in, and really like being able to, you know, memorialize that animal and and honor him. Like, dude, he was a stud up there. He was a stud on that hillside and r- ran off this other big bull that I'm going to tell you about for years. You know, it's like he was the dude up there, and it took me three years. And I, and I, I love, I love that it took me three years. I love that I didn't give up on going up there and hunting him still. And then it finally came together. And it's more than just my story about the bull. And it's more than this bull. It's like two stories came together to make one, if that makes sense. You know, like this guy yeah. is just doing what he does. And I just kept going back. <laughs> I could not go back. And it probably will forever changed the way I hunt because I just, I learned so much from this bull in the three years of hunting. Like learned so much just around, you know, when he softened to a cow call, how hard he came to a bugle, you know, um, the, the day I killed him, you know, like we were a thousand yards up the unit. He had to have heard me, you know, he had to hear me up there bugling and cow calling. We got a little bit closer. Cow called. He answered. Bugled. He answered. So yeah, but like, I mean, he could have even just growled when you were a thousand yards away. I've had bulls that you know you wouldn't have been able to hear them a thousand yards away. True. True. So who knows? But yeah, and I I talk about this a lot, dude. Like, uh, I think you know you want to get good, and you know we've been spending a lot of time this year talking like go one on one to two on one, and it's if you want to be consistent every year, you learn. You will learn more by hunting one elk or trying to hunt one herd of elk um, than just like going up a random gate and trying to cow call until an elk comes in. Like you just, I just don't think you learn as much that way. And I think, you know, that was like my learning curve. And I think your learning curve as well is like, you just happen to be able to focus in on one elk and it makes you think outside the box. It makes you think, okay, where is he? Like, where, where are these elk, you know? And, and I think once you can do that, you can transition that to like jump to Montana. I'm like, okay, how do I find 
the herd of elk. Where do I, you know, cause you've, you've spent hours and hours and hours looking for that herd of elk, you know, and like covering ground and, and, you know, you learn where not to look, where to look, you know, where you might be, where, you know, where, you know, what type of train, all these things. And I think that's very applicable, but I think you just, I don't know, in my opinion, I think you learn a lot more chasing one particular bull than you do just going up a gate in Calgary. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, like it, it really helped me specifically to, cause I, I dude, I think I struggle with ADD and I'll just go all over the place <laughs> if there's one that's you know? yeah. so it really helped me to just like, like focus, you know, like I'm, I'm, this is, and, and again, like I'm, I'm the type of guy that I'll, I mean, I mean, after killing this bull, I might try to be a little more choosy, you know, like I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a premium tag in Oregon this year or one of one of the good ones. I think it's a good unit, but, um, so I'm, I'm expecting to try to hold off and, and yeah. look for something bigger. But I mean, I'm, I'm typically, I'm going to shoot first legal bowl that comes across, you know, my face. So it's like, and there's my ADD kicking. I don't know why I was getting on that. Well, yeah. well, I think uh, it plays right into what I'm saying, though, because it's like squirrel. Uh, uh, like if you totally, like, dude, I'm like, <laughs> but if you like how many oper- how many bulls did you kill while hunting, you know, 88? And I think that's how it works, man. Like if even if I wanted to kill a five point, if I was like, man, I got to kill the first elk instead of running around looking for every single elk in the woods. Like when I focus in on these herds man, I have so many shot opportunities and like, I'll pass up a lot yeah. of five points just because like they're following 88 too. You know, they're following the herd bull yeah. and they just seem to hang around. Yeah. And so the more times you can, and you get good at finding the herd bull, then inevitably, you know, by default, unless you're going to end up being able to shoot a spike or a raghorn, cause they're just doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which led to, you know, 88 getting killed we we have these thoughts of like okay what's the herd dynamic gonna be like up there you know there's there's got to be another big bowl right we had this in 2015 um we got this pretty funky gnarly non-typical bowl we called him bullwinkle and then 2016 we got him again and he looked a little bit bigger and still really funky and then we didn't get him on camera in 17 but then 2018 season three days before season, this bull walks out with this herd. And I'm like, Oh my, I, I'm like freaking out sending pictures to Ike, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll text you a picture right now while we're, while we're talking. But, um, <laughs> he, he's a, he's a seven by nine, just a giant, giant Roosevelt bull. And I just think that 88 was winning the battle up there, you know? So he, yeah. he just kind of, hung around maybe and would try to, you know, slim pickings. I don't know, but we get this bull on camera. And, um, so again, I'm just fixated on hunting the same spot, (laughs) you know, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm like, I'm going to get this bull. Um, and I get up in there and I'm hunting. Um, we hunted a different spot opening weekend. I just sent it to you and then I'll send you the, yeah, dude, that's a good so, bull. <laughs> yeah, he's a seven by nine, and it's it's Bullwinkle because he he's had this funky yeah. G one on his left side, which is all gnarly. But um, so we hunt a different spot opening weekend, and then I go up. I couldn't hunt Sunday, so I go up there and I check the cameras, and they're all there. And I was like, 
that's where we should have hunted. So I just started hunting it, you know. And <clears throat> I hunted Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday, I I get kind of a late start and I'm walking up into the unit, same exact spot where I killed my bull. I'm walking up into the unit and again it's late so i'm I'm thinking like i'm thinking i'm late you know and i'm just kind of cruising up in there and i hear gravel and i look up and there's a like a, a forky spike looking at me you know he's a, and i was like so i look over to the left and there's this little knob that was cut and the elk are all over that that knob they're probably 70 yards from me or so they're just kind of all spread out and they're not really paying much attention to me but that spikes on me and so he kind of trots off up the hill a little bit and then i see this bull walk out <laughs> the picture i just sent you he walks uh, out from behind this little stand of trees and he's kind of nosing a cow and i was like holy shit <laughs> I'm, and so i i knock an arrow i range him he's 69 yards i dial my pen and i and, and i'm on my knees because i'm just like stopping i just kind of squat down try to get small this bull walks out nosing this cow. They go kind of around this root water and then he turns back around and a cow barks. So I'm like, ah. you know, like I knew I was, I was already had messed up because I didn't see, they saw me first. But this bull, like he's just kind of, he doesn't know what's going on. He's just kind of looking like what it's up, you know? And, but he's behind a root wall, like just his neck and his head are outside of this root wall. So I'm, I'm thinking like in seconds, you know, like, I could come to full draw. I could hold. I could wait till he walks out. Try to shoot as he walks out, and instead, I just sit there and watch this bull. And he starts looking around. I see his eyes start getting huge, you know, because the yeah. cows start kind of moving off. And he he takes off with him. And they must this this must have got a sniff of me too, because I I tried to sit there and wait and call to him later, and I never saw him again. And then no opening day rifle. <laughs> Opening day rifle. <laughs> I uh, a buddy of mine who knew I was hunting this bull sent me this picture, and uh, he's like, "I think that's the bull you were hunting." And I was like, uh, "Like just a punch in the gut, dude." Yeah. Like the worst. Like to- like totally happy, totally happy for this kid. It's like it's cool. You killed this bull, but secretly but, I want to punch you. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, the other thing too is because they, you know, they. I, and from what I hear from my buddy, they're like, a, he's a good kid. They're a great family. So that's cool too. Um, but they were able to get him out whole and shot him in a field. But yeah. I, I'm just to you. But, you know, which, you know, I should have, I should have shot him, you know, like I had an opportunity and I mean, it's a poke, 16 yards is a poke, but um, I shoot a lot and I feel pretty confident, pretty accurate. But did you get that picture? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I can see how that's a punch in the gut when kids holding it in a field. Like. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I apparently he scored um, and not the score matters really, but um, three hundred forty six inches. So it's like I'm looking at like, dude, if I went, you know, such a like I'm a I'm a five year archery hunter and uh, killed a three twenty five inch bull one year and then a three forty six the next year, but. Man, but if the, I could have back all the coulda, shoulda, what is like, uh, yeah, I get I it. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. The cool thing is, I've had this had this bull on camera for for five years, you know, since 2015, just the Man. one year we didn't get him. But it's pretty cool. Like the thing that I look at that's really encouraging to me is that 
this bull in 88 spread some probably pretty good genetics up there. So, um, Totally, man. Gonna, I think it's going to be a good, good, good spot for a lot of you. Totally, There's, and I think a lot of those big bulls. Like, I mean, you know how it is. Like, just growing up historically, they've kind of always been in the same areas, and I think those bulls pass their genetics down, and you know, and maybe you'll go a couple of years without seeing anything there, and then a big bull will pop back up there in a couple of years, and yeah. But yeah. hey, can't kill them all, man. Nope, nope, <laughs> and you know, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. So. <laughs> That's a great quote. Uh, if you had one piece of advice to help someone go from a 101 level to a 201 level hunter, and by that I mean like a 101 level, I look at someone that is still kind of wandering around hoping to get lucky, and a 201 is someone who can consistently kill elk. Um, and I know there's a lot of variables and in-betweens there, but if you could give one piece of advice to someone to kind of graduate to that next level of being confident that they're going to punch their tag every year what would it be oh man i think i think so much of it is is really time time in the woods you know and that that may seem really generic but it was the thing for me that changed my my growth curve right shortened it Mm -hmm. I, i was able to go out and and make those mistakes and so I think there's no, there's no real, I mean, yeah, a lot of guys say there's a playbook, you know, he followed the playbook, but there isn't really like this, this is the perfect way you kill elk because there are so many variables, but it's like get out there and make mistakes and learn, learn what elk do, learn how they, they move. And I think one of probably the most overlooked, part of being I think a successful archery hunter is being a good shot with your bow I think a lot of people will uh keep their bones in the case all year long and then you know a month before season pull it out and shoot and some people just naturally shoot better I like to shoot year round I like to feel really really confident with my equipment and so I, I try to shoot as much as I can. And so, I mean, cause I, I want to, I want to hit where I'm aiming, right? Like yeah. I want to where, you know, and I geek out on equipment. And I always try to do stuff with arrows and arrow weight and all that stuff. But, but I just, I want to know that I'm, I'm able to just come to full draw and hit where I'm aiming and, and in crunch time, right. When, when there is more pressure and, you know, when my nerves are higher and all that. So yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question very well, but. No, I think so. And I think like, you're right. Like, I mean, we've all heard the saying, like, you know, in times of pressure, you reduce to the amount of training you have. And I think confidence is a piece of that, you know, and like you also reduce to the level of confidence that you have. And when, you know, like the standing there in the, at the house and shooting 50 yards and confidence, yeah, it plays a little role, but when it comes to being aggressive and, you know, making shots happen or, you know, just making that 48 yard shot, um, that's not perfect. You know, the confidence is a huge piece of it. And I think that's where like the repetition, you know, instills that, um, taking tough shots, you know, like when I 
I break more arrows than most people because I go to the 3D range and I'm like, oh, that's a dumb shot. Let's take it. And instead of just like always shooting at yeah. 50 in the field, like I'm always like, you know, oh, you know, over that tree or over that log or, you know, between that gap or whatever. And it, that builds confidence. And then when I am presented those shots, it's like money, you know, that, let's make that happen. And, you know, I've, I've screwed oh. up shots too. Like I've made bad shots, but. I think, you know, you're a hundred percent right. And then like, you have to have that confidence. You have to have that. And that confidence comes from time and practice and spending hours buying your bow and your equipment. Absolutely. One thing you hit Absolutely. on, um, that I wanted to ask you, I guess, um, you're talking about being timid versus aggressive. How do you think about when to be timid and when to be aggressive? Man, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people in my, um, in my counseling business, cause I, I own a jujitsu academy and then I own a, a DUI treatment center. That's like what I do for my day, my day job. And, uh, a lot of times I tell people if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, everybody looks like a nail. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but, but I'm going to relate that to, you know, kind of how I, I hunt, you know, like I, I want to, I want to have the interactions with the elk. And there's been times where I've sat back and cause we were just, we're kind of like, Oh, what do we do? What mood do we make? I just try to go at them now. Like, you know, we, we only, we only have so many Septembers to hunt and we're only going to have so many experiences, you know, like it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to get on elk. I mean, but it's also, it's not, you know, like Ike and I are, we always find it weird when people say like, we didn't even see an elk this archery season. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, but so I don't understand that part of it, but when we get, when we get eyes on elk, like if we're glass in a unit, I like to let them go, watch them go into the timber and then put a plan together and go after them. And just aggressive. I just, we just go at them. I don't want to sit back and wait and hope I'd rather go hard and make a mistake and be like, ah, I went too hard then. Gosh, I wonder if I should have went right at that bowl. I wonder if I should have moved a little faster through the timber and made a little bit more noise. So I, I, I think, you know, in general, like I'm going to just try to go right at them because elk are noisy, you know, bulls are going to be aggressive. I mean, if they're tuned up, they're going to be aggressive and yeah. I want them to know I'm coming at them. So. No. And I think it, we never really mentioned it, but it was understated that, you know, to, to kill 88, like you had to, when I say force the shot, it makes it sound like you're forcing a bad shot, but like, and just in the case with 88, like you had to, you had to move up. Like that ball wasn't going to come to you. And you knew that, like you, you knew that he was, he got kind of spooked and he's not like, he's on a, you know, he's not going to come down there. It was just like too many variables there. And so you had to make that shot happen. I think 99% of people would have like called or wait, like tried to close that, you know, or call the, call the gap and make him close that gap. And like, just to be like, you know, in the wide open, I'm I'm closing 30 yards or whatever it was and make that shot happen. Like that's the difference between like what I think about with like forcing the shot. And sometimes you just have to do it. And sometimes you have to close that distance and sometimes you screw it up. I mean, who's to say that bull like, didn't look yeah. at you as soon as you went to full draw and then bolt. And you're like, ah, I should have, you know, could have, should have, would have, but 
man, I, I don't know. I, that's one thing I was listening to your story and I was like, yeah, that's, that's the sign of a good hunter or, or knows that sometimes you just have to make it happen. Um, and sometimes it's, yeah. you know, sometimes you sit back like the first time you missed 88, you know, if you would have tried to force that, yeah. it would, would have not worked, would have worked Who knows? And, but you made the right call, right. you sat back and you got a, you know, got a shot opportunity. Um, that's, that's a tough one, man. I, I like, I, I get that question a lot and I don't really know. Maybe it boils down to a gut instinct. You know, maybe you saw him, you, you, you even mentioned that, like you saw him put that weight on his front, like hold up. And you know, you, you have screwed it up enough times to know that like, you don't get two chances. Like you got one because sure. he didn't bolt right there, but you aren't getting two, you know? Right. Well, and, and I think too, like if, if we just reduce it to the ridiculous, like an, an elk's <laughs> not going to go out into an open spot where he doesn't see another elk. Yeah. You know, like if he, if he hasn't seen another bull, I guess what he's looking for, he's like, where's this guy? Where's Larry at that's yelling at me right now? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a guy always like, that was Larry. Um, but it's like, yeah, you know what? He, so that was my thought. And, and really for some perspective for everybody listening, it's like that bull was probably 200 yards away. I closed 150 and he came 50. Yeah. And I shot him at 48. So it's like, or I didn't say that right, but, you know, I closed 100. <laughs> he yeah. came 50. I shot him at 40. There's, there's a will of mine coming out of me again, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm not a very smart man, Jenny. <laughs> but, uh, so, so yeah. So, I mean, that bull didn't come very far. You know, he came to where he could then see yeah. and then turn to go back to his cows. And I was able to hang him up at that pole and then close that distance the, the rest of the way, you know? So if I would have stayed where I was at, it would have been a quartering to almost frontal at 80 yards in the wide open. You know what I mean? Like just Not gonna stupid, happen. but like, yeah, but I was able to get to where I got to 48 yard shot. Didn't know really where I was at. And, and it worked out. So, and that's, you know, <clears throat> I would say two killing a bull as big as this bull is probably pretty uncommon in as wide open as it was. But yeah. I think just, again, time was right. He'd probably been hearing me bugle. He'd been getting worked up. And then it's like, I got close enough and he was like, okay. And totally. I think, you know, they were probably going to where they were going to bed down um, too. And so it was just kind of perfect time to kind of ambush him. Too, yeah. I think it's just, it just worked out. A lot of factors worked out for me that day. Um, and then, but closing that distance. And I actually, you know, I heard, I, I was listening to Phelps, Jason Phelps up at, when he did a, a similar up at G4 in Hillsboro. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he said, he talks about that, you know, the, the Primo's videos of 80 yards away. And he goes, a lot of times when we call, like, we're right, we're right with the shooter calling, mm-hmm. you know, and just moving together you know just happened to be i was calling for myself <laughs> no no offense to anybody who uses a hoochie mama but my buddy chris had a hoochie mama and i said put that in your pocket and don't pull it out <laughs> you throw that in the bushes right now <laughs> <laughs> i was like you leave that in your pocket let me pull so but um yeah, no so. no like, and it, like that's the thing is like there's so many variables man and like i you know you played it right for the right situation and sometimes we don't you know like and the best you can do is what you know and what you think and you go with your gut 
Um, and hopefully that improves over time. And, but there's a lot of little variables I think that don't get picked up. And I think that's most of the problem. And, and, you know, who knows a lot of luck, you know, a lot of luck there, you know, on a day later, a day earlier, he might not want to leave that cow. He might not have had a hot cow that moment. So, you know, like there's, there's always those variables and you got to play it. You know, I've had bulls screaming and I just couldn't get close enough. And I thought, there's no way this bull's going to cro- come across this unit. Not to mention, I'm in the middle of a reprise patch. Even if I could get him to me, it's going to have to be a 10-yard shot. And not to mention again that there's like a creek between us. So there's no way he's going to come across the creek. And and it's like, it, it's it. You know, time's up. I can't make it to him. And I scream and start just throwing bushes and raking and stuff. And that bull left his cows come probably 250 yards and it sounded like a Volkswagen bug trying to get across that creek because he was just fighting it and steps up at 15 yards, you know. And like, well, that doesn't usually happen, <laughs> you know. Like, so, but I was out of options, you know. It was like, well, I can come back tomorrow. I'm not going to screw this bull up by shaking a tree, you know. The wind's good and everything. So, you know, just knowing right. when to make those moves. Sometimes, you know, you don't make the move and you're like, hey, let's live to fight tomorrow. Um, you know, so it's always, that's, I think that's the hard part. And, I think that's the hard part of being a successful elk hunter and is knowing when to force it, when to do one thing versus another, you know, when to put pressure on a bull and when to like not screw the whole thing up. But, you know, I tend to be like you and, and lean on the aggressive side for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I just, I don't want to, I think that's probably what jujitsu has taught me in competing though. Like I said earlier of like being willing to take a risk and mm-hmm. then, fail whatever that failure may look like and then just recalibrate like okay well that was probably the wrong move with that bull but i don't ever want to leave the woods on a day that i got on a bull and feel like uh i should have pushed harder around that and i had that scenario last year i got on i got on this um i got on this big bull a second time and, but he was, he was like 200 yards down on this pretty steep reprod patch. And I was with somebody that was kind of, it was, it's their first year archer and I was kind of trying to teach him. And this bull's cracking off at like 1130 in the morning. And if I was by myself, I would have just busted down to that prod, you know, like yeah. I just, I can't not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it sucks, but it's like, I'm going to go off this bull and he was like, yeah, I need to, I need to get head and home. So I was like, Okay. <laughs> so, Poor guy never got just, invited back just, again. <laughs> yeah. Just just different, you know. Just just different perspectives, you know. But like I and that could have been my, my shot too. So having experiences like that, like I never wanna leave wishing that I would have done more, you know, and I guess I could have played a, a lot of aspects of life, but um Yeah, totally. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go after him, man. I'm gonna go after him always. And yeah. I may, I may mess up a lot of them, but you never know. It's like that old cheerleaders saying, be aggressive, be aggressive. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dude, I'm pumped. You got me all jacked up for, uh, for hunting. I want to go hunt Roosevelt's now. So there's that. Um, but thank oh, you yeah. again, man. Is there any ask of our audience or where can we check pictures of these bulls out and all the, you know, everything you're working on? Yeah, man. Um, so I, I post a lot of my stuff on my Instagram. It's JP underscore go forth. And there'll be you know, just everything in my life, jujitsu, my girls, my wife and hunting. So, um, 
Sweet. Yeah. And we'll link to we'll that in the show that. notes. But Johnny, thank you, man. Appreciate it. It was a good podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. This was awesome. Well, sweet. Well, good luck this year. I expect uh, bigger Thanks, than 346. Dude. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> all right, man.